This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Markin' Out, Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 667. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. I am also here with Brandon. And as you know, there is also the legendary Chris. But you can check us out collectively at MarkinOut.com. Go listen to us. Go subscribe. Go download. Give us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts, over on Spotify, and wherever else you may be listening to podcasts. Buy a t-shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. What better time to buy a t-shirt than now? It is the Black Friday sale taking place over at Pro Wrestling Tees. And guess what? You don't even need a discount code. You just head on over to the website. Head on over to your favorite Markin' Out t-shirt. You click purchase, and it's going to slap 20% off right there and then. That's incredible. There's there's no... You don't have to purchase anything uh, to get that discount code. It's just already there. So, utilize it. But make sure that you follow us over on Instagram, MarkinOut11. Follow us on Twitter and Snapchat and Twitch and TikTok and wherever else at MarkinOut. But that being said, you can follow me at DavidPTDPT. Follow Chris at ChrisSweenDog over on Twitter and CMSweeney85 on Instagram. And Brandon over at BTTG161 on all platforms. Brandon, how are you? I am doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. What is up? How was uh, your week? What were your highlights? My highlights were from last week because I previously flew down to Florida for my niece's birthday. Uh, I think I was on the oldest JetBlue plane possible. And it's literally the worst flight I had in years. That sucks. What what made it so bad? The seats were smaller. The TVs were smaller and pretty much unusable. There was no Wi-Fi that was uh, in working range for for most of the flight. Mm -hmm. You couldn't choose what movie you wanted to watch. It was like the, the... collective gimmick like oh the movie's starting in three minutes or something oh that's so annoying and the one movie that i was going to watch i did see haunted mansion already on disney plus the only movie that i would have went and watched was the haunted mansion and it was only working in one ear so that was annoying i could have sworn that they got rid of those planes years ago Mm -hmm. and i truly truly hope to never ever end up on that goddamn plane again <laughs> you should write to them I, I did and they were like they were they basically told me i'm out of luck basically mm-hmm. it was a big like uh middle finger to me yeah but i did go to florida for my niece's birthday i went to epcot and saw we the kings 
and I don't know why I know their music, but I enjoyed the show. I, I thought the Kings sounds familiar. It's like uh, their biggest hit is "Check Yes, Juliet." Run, oh, baby, okay, run. that's yeah. And and I thought maybe one of their songs was a WWE pay per view theme song, but I couldn't find that anywhere. So mm-hmm. I really don't know why, because it's not like I was listening to emo music in 2007 like that. But mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. They were good. They uh, they liked our TikTok video, so you could check us out marking out on TikTok. I went to the new Journey of Water walkthrough attraction at Epcot which is inspired by Moana and all things water. And I thought that was pretty cool. I don't think it's something I would necessarily need to do every single time I'm there, but Mm -hmm. it's nice inside the exhibit. It's cool that they allow you to control the water with your hands by Mm -hmm. just like moving your hands up and down your arms. So I think that's cool. But I went to Magic Kingdom. I did the Jingle Cruise because it's that time of the year. I was talking to Jason Linick the other day about, or the other week at this point, about whether or not the the Jingle Cruise would be the Jingle Cruise versus the Jungle Cruise, and I wasn't sure, but it started on November 3rd, so I went and checked it out, because I had not been on the Jungle Cruise in quite some time. Hmm. It's not a ride that I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't really need to go on the Jungle Cruise. Nah. But they transfer transformed it over to the Jingle Cruise, figured I'd uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. We went to Chef Mickey's for dinner, which I think I'm good on for now. It's not bad. It's just not 100% necessary because it's a character dining buffet. Mm -hmm. So it's more money. My niece is obviously happy with it now that she likes the costume characters and stuff. So Yeah, of course. That's ultimately what matters. She she had the birthday cupcake and everything. Mm -hmm. Sunday was a birthday party for her at a roller skating rink. I don't know if that was a popular thing when I was a kid. Do you, do you remember going to roller rinks at all? Or Yeah, a lot. I know they existed, but I really can't recall going to you, a roller you definitely, rink. You definitely have for like know. birthday parties. I certainly never skated, I'll tell you that. I 100% never did that. Yeah, you definitely have been. It, it was the big, you could go to hot skates or... Yeah, um, what else was there at hot skates? Because was it just me going to hot skates for an arcade? Pretty much. I mean, it was just arcade, pizza, skating. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, I don't I don't think I skated as a kid. I couldn't tell you. But I went to uh, Smoky Bones that night, got the, the, the brisket platter, which was dry at, at parts, but overall I liked the place. I went there often. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I went there way more times than I expected to on this trip. And I only went because I've heard stories of OVW wrestlers talking about how they used to work there when they were in OVW. So mm-hmm. I love Smoky Bones. Uh, and there's apparently one in Ron Concoma. So Ron Concoma. Shout out to Sean Waltman. <laughs> there you go. Nice. I went to Animal Kingdom on one of the days, rode Kilimanjaro Safaris three times that's my favorite thing to do in animal kingdom Mm -hmm. it's cool to see all the animals um i went to epcot again tried the plant-based moussaka which i thought was good and really you couldn't tell that it wasn't real meat so Mm -hmm. i like that that was part of the food and wine festival i tried the s'mores brownie which was so disappointing 
because it looks so good, but I think it could have been so much better. It just wasn't what I picture when I think of s'mores, especially because it came out of the fridge. So I don't think I would get that again. Yeah, if it came out of the fridge, I mean. I understand it coming out of the fridge, but it's like I, I want like a, a – what I'm thinking of s'mores, you think a warm, ooey-gooey. Yeah. But uh, I did one more day at Magic Kingdom. Did not really do much. But I did go to Tom Sawyer Island, which is something I can't recall ever going to. And I certainly never went there as an adult. So I think taking that out of the equation, there might be three more rides that I haven't done as an adult left in Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's the Mad Tea Party, which I don't know if I ever want to go on. Mm -hmm. It's it's the, the teacups. The other two are the Magic Carpets of Aladdin and the Astro Orbiter, which are both Dumbo-like rides. Mm-hmm. So, But then I, I went to Grand Floridian to see the Gingerbread House in the lobby, and I bought an M&M Snickerdoodle cookie, which was really good, which I wish I bought more of, but I don't think it was really worth $5, five-plus dollars, or however much it was. Okay. Um, and I probably it sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, I probably should have gotten a gingerbread from there, but I don't know if I like gingerbread, but nah. all in all, I wish I got to try more snacks. They just rolled out all the Christmas stuff after I left, so. Nah, but that's good that you got to go down there. I may actually be going down in March to uh, to there. You might to have to Disney. Uh, check out the, f- the, the Flower and Garden Festival. Mm-hmm. I know they didn't announce any lineup yet, but there should be free concerts when you're there. Yeah, I believe I'm going to be going down the weekend of May 9th. May, uh, I mean, March. March 9th and 10th. Potentially. I was about to say, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> potentially the 11th. Um, So, we'll see. I'll definitely update a little bit more when everything is uh, solidified a bit. Well, that's cool. Nice. How was your week? My week was uh, awesome. My week was awesome. Got to... Uh, chill got to relax got to take it easy and got to focus on some uh pro wrestling you know got to watch some good old wrestling and enjoyed some sports entertainment pro wrestling talk with monday night raw monday night nitro which opened up with cody rhodes and he said that he and Jey Uso are going to go win the championships later on. Then he brought out his War Games team. The Judgment Day made their way out to try and plant seeds of doubt between the team. And Sami Zayn yelled at them for that because he saw right through that. And then they, uh, Cody Rhodes made fun of them and mentioned Rhea Ripley being their leader. And they all denied it. But then Damian Priest stepped up and was like, I'm the leader. Which I assume might lead to something, but... I mean, it, it has to. That was such a huge monumental moment because once he said, I am the leader, you saw Finn Balor just turn and look at him. Yeah. You know, and I thought that this was a great moment because <clears throat> not only is it solidifying Damian Priest as somebody to be seen as a leader character. I don't know if it's solidifying him as a leader, though. I don't. I don't think as a leader, but it is placing him not as a background character to a storyline. It's keeping him at the top of it with 
let's say, with a Finn Balor, like on the level of him, because usually you're going into this Judgment Day. Who do you think the leader is? Ripley. Okay, before her. Edge. <laughs> All right. It would be, a lot of people would say Finn Balor. I don't know about that. It was a Edge. Of, it was very much so Edge. A lot of people would say Finn Balor after Edge. Mm. So I think that Damian Priest saying that he is the leader was really awesome. Well, and um, maybe it's going to cause a little riffle in there, but we do find out a little bit later on that, you know, we'll get into it. Yeah, but Seth Rollins said that he's ready for a fight and he's dressed for one. So he challenged J.D. McDonough and Dominic to a match with him and Sami Zayn teaming up. Damian Priest, as the newfound uh, quote-unquote leader, accepted that match for them. And it led right into it where Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn picked up the victory over J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio, but it was by disqualification. And prior to that, I thought it was a good match. I thought that it was definitely a good match as well. Um, I'm okay with the DQ victory happening in this, especially with the opener, with everything that happened. And you got War Games upcoming. I thought it was solid. Yeah, and I liked uh, when Dominic hit the three amigos. I liked Michael Cole mentioning the that it was the it was the 18 year anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's passing. Yeah, he yeah, that's wild. That's, 18 yeah, years. That's really crazy. Yeah, yeah, but, 18 years. But Damian Priest and Finn Balor took Seth Rollins out. Dominic and J.D. McDonough joined in. They took Sami Zayn out. Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso ran down to brawl. Rhea Ripley was there. All the officials ran down to separate them. And Adam Pearce was absolutely furious and said that everyone involved in war games is going to be banned. They were like, at first he's like, you're going to be banned from ringside. He goes, no, you're banned from the arena for the championship main event tag team match. So... Everyone who was not involved in that match is is banned from the arena. So I, I thought that was nice. Cody spoke yeah. to Seth Rollins later on just to clear the air because <clears throat> obviously they need to be good for just one night for war games. Yeah. And I, I liked how Rhea Ripley was at arguing with Adam Pierce too. Yeah. Pretty but, heavily. And and Drew McIntyre also cleared the air with Seth Rollins later on. Yeah. But Rhea Ripley, she was not happy at all with with Adam Pierce, and she continued to yell at him throughout the commercial break. Yeah, I liked how we came back and they were like face to like she was up in his face. Yeah, and Zoe Stark came out and said that Rhea Ripley is worried about way too many things, and uh, she should be very very worried about the championship, and she should not be overlooked. And Rhea Ripley's like, you're not overlooked I've been watching you since NXT and the only way you're winning a championship is if I'm or not if I'm not champion if you're on the other brand so she did put Zoe Stark over but she basically said you're just not ready yet and Zoe obviously said that she's going to take the title from her and then Rhea tried to cheap shot her and she ducked it pulled the rope and then Rhea Ripley escaped before Zoe could jump out onto her. So I like that they showed uh, backstage Shayna Baszler and Raquel Rodriguez. They were also putting Zoe Stark over. Yeah. And then Nia Jax joined in there and made fun of them, which set up Nia Jax versus Raquel Rodriguez for later on. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also saw Rhea Ripley make mention of that line with Damian Priest saying he's the leader, and she had them all do a quick little vote, and it's just for War Games. He's the leader of the male War Games team. I don't even. Day. I don't even think they did a vote. I don't I think, think so either. But yeah, it they didn't like that's what they were doing. No, they didn't even vote uh, backstage. It was it one of those was, things where. They were talking about it where it, tension was starting to escalate. You can feel the tension starting to escalate. But then uh, as that was going upward, Ray Ripley kind of interrupted and said, "He's the let's have him be the leader, you know? I think that he's right. Let him be the leader, but it's only for one night. Right. But I thought they were voting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and then she also wanted Damian Priest to accept JD McDonough into the group, which he wanted to do by himself. He did do that by himself, but Finn Balor showed up like immediately to congratulate him. So I thought that was like kind of weird because he was doing it himself. So yeah. also, uh, I guess that. That segment also didn't really set up uh, Nia Jax versus Raquel Rodriguez. Um, I thought it set it up pretty fine. No, but I, I said for later in the night, that match didn't take place. Oh. <laughs> At least I think I said for later in the night. So I think it that match might be happening next week. Uh, after that, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura cut a promo before his match, and he said that he's been frustrated, and he's taking away someone's choice. And I don't know who he's talking about. I think this one was kind of harder to follow, but he said that it's gonna, uh, it all ends by his hands. Mm-hmm. So clearly there's one person in mind. Clearly there's going to be an opponent for Nakamura that might be a big surprise at Survivor Series. Yeah, Maybe not, I don't know, but it led into Nakamura picking up the victory over Otis. Uh, so I feel like Nakamura basically in saying that whatever he said in that, that promo, all these matches that he's been having are like pointless to him because he wants that one specific person. But we don't even know who the person is. Right. But I do like that even though Nakamura thinks these matches are pointless, it's not like Otis just like laid down or something. Yeah, he got a was, lot in on this match, and like including that really nice power bomb, and he reversed the the Kinshasa attempt with that world strongest slam. That's true. Yeah, and he also got hit with the Kinshasa from the middle rope and stayed standing. And he was still that, up. There was a Kinshasa from behind that he was still up for, and then obviously went down for the last one. But do you think that it was like? Do you think that he should have went down quicker or no? No, I, I mean, mean that makes him look like a beast. Makes him look like a beast, but does it make Nakamura look weak? No, I don't think so. Okay. And the fans were fully behind Otis here. And then Nakamura pushed Chad Gable afterwards, so I don't think Chad Gable's the target, though. So. I don't think Chad Gable is the intended target, too. I think that it's just made out like it may be. Yeah. But, but later on, the Creeds next... offered up training with Alpha Academy, and Chad Gable said no thanks, and New Day showed up, and then Ivy Nile and Maxine spoke about wanting to maybe be champion also. So, And then they, they walked off 
together. Yeah. So you know, it, it was like kind of like a u- little union ship that happened where they were like, you're not too bad. You know, and then they walked off together. But next up, you had Tegan Knox pick up the victory over Piper Niven. Um, yeah, Chelsea a, Green at ringside with Piper Niven. They aired a video package for Tegan Knox, which I think makes her look important, which I like. Yeah, I'd agree which with that. Which WWE, I think, has been killing it with those video packages. Yeah. But Piper, I think, controlled a majority of this match. We saw Chelsea Green distract Tegan Knox, and Natalia went after her. Natty knocked Chelsea down, and then Piper knocked her down, which allowed for Tegan Knox to get the upper hand. And we did see Piper keep on fighting, but Knox rolled her up with that, I guess, crucifix pin. Mm-hmm. And now Tegan Knox wants Chelsea. So I don't know if that's taking place next week or what, but I'm I'm happy to get more I, Tegan Knox, more Chelsea Green. I want to say that it's next week, but I'm not too sure about it. But next up, you had Kaiser pick up the victory over Champa. Um, I don't. I wasn't too big behind this match. Giovanni Vinci got kicked from ringside. Yeah. So. Actually, I, I no, can I, understand you saying that you're not too big on the match. I, I need more from DIY. Exactly. Yeah, I need more of DIY. DIY. But that being said. I did like the ending. That being said, I did like the ending. I mean, this match was back and forth. And then like you made mention too, uh, Vinci got booted to the backstage area. Gargano was still able to stay out there. Well, because he wasn't cheating. He wasn't cheating. (laughs) But then the finish came when uh, Vinci came out of like, came out of nowhere. And I think it was a boot to the face, right? I believe so. I think it was a boot to the face to Gargano, serving yeah, with as the a distraction by. to Champa, and then Kaiser picking up a roll of victory. With yeah, a and full of tights. Which I guess there would be no disrespecting from or disciplining, I should say, from Kaiser to Vinci. We did mm-hmm. see Gunter put Giovanni Vinci over later on, and Kaiser thought he was talking about him. So Kaiser was annoyed that. Gunther was praising Giovanni Vinci. Meh. And then Indy Sheer showed up and they went to go see Adam Pierce. What they're sh- they're going to Adam Pierce? We've seen that happen before, I think. I feel like yes. But in regards to DIY, I don't think we're going to get what we need unless they're champions and I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. I agree. A- after that, we saw Zia Lee pick up the victory over Indy Hartwell via ref stoppage. Uh, the fans throughout the night, I don't think were the greatest fans, but here they were like really low and slow and not into it. But Zia Lee went on, uh, went in on Indy Hartwell big time here. Indy got some moves in, but I think Zia really ultimately looked great and, and strong. I, I think she looked really strong too. The finish though. I mean, she didn't get all of the kick. I think that it, I think it was just, they just had a bad angle of the kick, you know? I think it was just not a good angle that they cut to to show the kick as the finish, but I did like it. Well, I think that yeah. after, I feel like the finish though with Zia Lee, I feel like her KO victories, she has to be more, she has to be less, uh, less surprised by the knockout. More ready to pounce. Yeah, like like after this one, and I think after Candice Lurie too, after they fall down and knock get knocked out, 
she's more so like confused I, and then playing like the come like I don't know if it's on her or if that's how it's like supposed to be. I think that it's more on her because when it happened with Candice LeRae, everyone was like, "Oh, she actually got hurt." Mm-hmm. Well, in with that one, you actually had a better camera angle too. But I'm saying it's like maybe that's what she's being told to do is like just stay back and. We don't know what's going on. It's it's high tension. Like, is Candace okay? Is Indy okay? But even but even with that, I would still want her to be like, "That's right, stay down." Like, you know, instead of just being like, just in shock. I don't know. I just see her as very surprised that it's happening. Instead think, of, a, I don't see her as being surprised though. I don't. I'm not. I'm not describing it properly. But it's definitely not aggressive. And uh, we saw Becky Lynch come out afterwards and said they're going to have a fight on her time. And she's, she came looking for one. She went for the manhandle slam. Zaya escaped. And then she told Zaya that she's got seven days. So. Seven days. We saw the Miz pick up the victory over Ivar. And earlier on, we saw Bronson Reed and Ivar get into a backstage argument with each other during an interview with Miz. We also saw Gunter warning the Miz, which during that time, Nikki Cross was literally just standing in the background in that trance. Yeah, which, I mean, it wasn't even really even a hidden thing. It was like she was flat out right there. Well, I mean, if you're not looking in the background, you're not going to notice her, perhaps. I don't. No, I, I think like, I mean, sometimes like with Bray Wyatt, there were legit times where like you really didn't notice him. Yeah, but I, I could see people not noticing Nikki Cross back there. I, don't, I can't. I think that it was too obvious. But I, I mean, I mean, not that that was a bad thing. Obviously, it was intended, but I feel like she, she was right there. But Bronson Reed made his way out during the actual match and he grabbed a chair and made it seem like he was going to go hit the Miz with it. But he took a seat. And I liked this match. I liked uh, Ivar hit that slam from the middle rope and Miz kicked out. I think, did you not like that spot? I was a big fan of it. I thought, I thought you were that... like disappointed that Miz didn't lose there. So yeah, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, I know we spoke about it and you can't have the Miz picking up a loss. Going Miz has to look like he could defeat Gunter. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with you on that. But I'm just going to gonna backtrack a little bit why though i mean i understand going into the the pay-per-view yes i agree with you but to that usually so what do you most mean? often but no 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 hold on most often like a wrestler will get that victory heading into a pay-per-view right but why is that always going why is that near 100 always going to happen i feel like it would be actually kind of interesting if the miz didn't or anybody it doesn't have to be the miz if whoever that is going into the pay-per-view actually doesn't pick up the victory going into it. Yeah, but then it's like, well, why am I paying money to see him versus Gunther when it should be Ivar versus Gunther? I mean, no matter what, you're going to be tuning in, though. No, but that's, I think, the the reasoning behind it. I don't know. I, I'm actually interested. It to has see, to be uh, that. There, there's I mean, no yeah, way. I, I see what you're saying, but I would be interested in seeing what would happen the other way around. But, yeah, going back... um. When Ivar hit him with that, the fallaway slam from the turnbuckle, no. it was such a great World's spot. World's Strongest like, Slam, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, which one? World's Strongest Slam? Yeah, the raw, raw, World's Strongest Slam. Um, I really was hoping that that was going to be the finish because, of course, I'm a big fan of Ivar. 
Um, or maybe a, just a falling front slam is more. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, but that was a really great spot. I thought the two of them put on an awesome match. The downside, Ar- Ivar didn't do his cartwheel. <laughs> but Bronson Reed distracted Ivar at one point. Miz hit a power bomb on him and used the ropes for leverage to pick up that victory and cheated to win. So it's like he still has that in his back pocket where, oh, maybe the referee won't see it when I use it on Gunter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, now you're okay with that because of his persona or not like I mean, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, rumored to be a baby face, but it's Miz. He's a heel. Okay. So that's the thing too. I was like, I forgot who it was like maybe Bret Hart or some like Hulk Hogan has uh, done it too and stuff like that. But there has been times where faces have utilized a weapon or. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to a face using heel tactics. Okay. Okay. I, so, yeah, but after, it was a good match. Yeah, and afterwards, Bronson Reed attacked Ivar. Yeah, and he hit the thick, thick boom. Yeah. Thick, thick boom, baby. Main event saw the Judgment Day pick up the victory over Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso to retain the Tag Team Championships. This match was long. I did not expect it to be this long of a match. I thought that, because I think it started at like 9.25. I think they introduced that this match was coming up around like 9.17 or something. And I'm like, uh, or 10.17. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, if this is happening now, what's the main event? And then... Exactly. I I thought for (laughs) sure maybe there was going to be some sort of a interview or some sort of a segment backstage or something to close it. I did not expect this to be it. The time that they did from introducing the match to the actual match starting was just like a waste of 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But I I'm excited for war games, but I feel like we've seen a bunch of different combinations of this match for months and it kind of takes away the excitement for me. Because it's like do I really need to see Cody and Jay and the Judgment Day and Sami Zayn again? I'll tell you, I'm I'm still wanting to see it. I'm still I am excited for War Games, but there is that in like the back of my mind where it's like, oh. My thing is, I just want to see Judgment Day win. The I I don't know how that's gonna work out. I know the biggest thing from this match was Drew McIntyre showing up and taking Jey Uso out. That was, that led yeah. to the end of the match, and then Rhea Ripley shook Drew McIntyre's hand to end Monday Night Raw. Yeah, at the, at the top of the stage with no other Judgment Day members up there. So It was just her and Drew McIntyre. There was nobody else on that stage. But what I did like is that you didn't see McIntyre there, but then they panned out, and he was just standing there uh, looking at, I believe, Cody... Which, who did he hit? Jay. Jay. He was just standing there looking at Jay, and then he hit him with the Glasgow kiss. Claymore? Oh, Claymore. Sorry, sorry. yeah, the Claymore. I thought that this was a great way to end the Monday Night Raw. And then Cody Rose teased uh, potentially Randy Orton after the show ended. No, I didn't see that. So. Yeah. I do feel like if there's a place to have someone come back, I guess it would be. There's, uh, there's, they're taking bets in Vegas on this too. Apparently, the rankings right now it's Randy Orton number one, 
Kevin Owens number two, and number three is uh, CM Punk for the odds of uh, being that replacement. It would be funny if it was Kevin Owens because he was kind of like the original person that we had slotted in there for that. But yeah, I think I feel like it would be it would make most sense if it was Orton, Mm -hmm. especially if he's good to go. I don't like Orton as a face, though. Well, I mean, imagine if Orton actually does turn on whoever is in that match to be a heel to allow Judgment Day to win, but he doesn't actually join Judgment Day. He's just, I mean, Randy Orton has gone on the record of saying that he wants to be heel. Like, he loves being a heel, you know? So that would be interesting if he cost them the match. I'd rather not see a main event heal randy orton right now why i just i've had enough of that and he's been gone for so long i don't i don't know we haven't seen uh i mean i guess it would have been was it 2020 since we saw that where he sent all those wrestlers to AEW, including edge and rick flair now and big show and matt hardy and oh oh oh. (laughs) that was wow time flies yeah but that was Monday Night Raw moving over to NXT, which opened up with the family picking up the victory over Chase U to become the tag team champions. There's been a lot of hype surrounding the supposed scandal with Andre Chase and Chase University, which it even opened with like a bunch of reporters trying to get a word from Andre Chase. Um, the yeah, fans we were against Chase U as if they knew what the scandal was, but we don't know what the scandal is. The Chase U students even left at some point, and that was pretty much downhill for Chase University, but I thought it was a solid tag team match. Um, We just don't know what the scandal is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out what the scandal actually is. But I can't see it being anything good. You know, I feel like they're scandal. It, I don't know. And we saw, we saw all the tag teams like backstage. They spoke and then they, they all want title shots, of course. Los Atharios got into like a pull apart with uh, Idris Anofi and Malik Blade. And then later on, we saw the media bombarded Andre Chase again. And JC drove him off, and it makes me wonder, still don't 100% trust JC. Is she the reason behind all of this? I don't either. I don't think that it's... I don't trust her. At all. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But next up, you had the Supernova Sessions. In the back, you had... Um, yeah, the Supernova sessions taking place with Alpha Academy. I like this entire segment. Yeah, Akira Tozawa wants like a real he or wanted, I guess, a real one-on-one match for the Heritage Cup. Mm-hmm. Chad Gable announced that he had an opponent for Noam Dar next week, and Noam Dar, like very cocky, he accepted it. And then we saw Maxine hype them up, and it ended up being Chad Gable as the opponent. And Noam Dar tried to swing on him, but he ducked it and headbutted Noam Dar instead. So, um, for some reason, I thought Chad Gable versus 
Noam Dar was taking place this week. Mm-hmm. But I'm pumped to see it next week. Yeah. After that, we saw Lash Legend from Metaphor pick up the victory over Roxanne Perez to advance in the Iron Survivor match. This was a match that was picked by Lita. We saw Jakara trip Roxanne Perez and the referee threw Metaphor away from ringside. Which the crowd went nuts for. They popped big time. But like Giovanni Vinci, Jakara made her way back out, distracted the referee, and that led to Kiana James ending up attacking or holding Roxanne Perez for Lash Legend. Lash hit a big boot and and, and then I guess like a choke slam power bomb to pick up the victory there. Yeah. So I, I I was a fan of this match. I think Lash Legend has a lot of uh potential. I was surprised that she did pick up the victory over Perez with everything that was going on with Perez. I was very surprised, but when Kiana James got involved, it made sense. Yeah. And then the women's locker room, they were obviously split about what happened with this. And it turned into Gigi Dolan challenging Ariana Grace. And later on, Gigi Dolan picked up a pretty quick victory, I think, over Ariana Grace. Hmm. Yeah. After that, Uh, we saw the Warriors tea ceremony, uh, which I liked that segment. It made me kind of want tea, even though I don't like tea. I thought that this segment was interesting. I didn't know where Zaylee was coming from with it. It basically just sets up Zaya to like not hold back in their match next week. I guess, yeah. So I guess it's kind of sets her up to like now be okay with whatever pain she's about to bring to her. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like, and then the fact that she didn't drink the tea at the very end was very uh, telling of what's going to be happening. Right. But after that, Brown Breaker was interviewed and he said that he does not regret what happened last week and what he did last week. Dijak interrupted that and said that Brown Breaker's future is uncertain. But he's in the Iron Survivor Challenge and Breaker said that he doesn't want him in that. And Dijak's like, I'm the only one who does want you in that because I know you can't break me. Mm-hmm. And he dropped uh Braun breaker dropped a retribution line, which I popped for. I like that, but I, I liked that. Dijak Braun breakers. Like you do not want me in that. And Dijak's like, yes, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. But after that, we saw Carmelo Hayes and trick Williams interviewed Trick said that the punch, obviously, from last week was an accident, which Carmelo Hayes reiterated that he did not attack Trick Williams. And he mentioned passing a lie detector test, which uh, Mackenzie Mitchell was like, what lie detector test? And then he was like, we all know Lexus King told the world it was Lexus King. We know who it was, which I still feel like it wasn't Lexus King. And I still feel like it might turn out to be Carmelo Hayes who attacked Trick Williams. I think I agree with you on that. You know, I... I feel like they're playing it up too much for us to believe that it's Lexus King. Yeah, I mean, Baron Corbin put Lexus King over later on, and King didn't really say how he actually did the attack. So I still think there's missing holes there. Mm -hmm. 
We saw Trick Williams pick up the victory over Joe Gacy to advance to the Iron Survivor match. This again was picked by Lita. Gallus got involved. Uh, Carmelo Hayes grabbed Wolfgang and Trick went flying out of the ring trying to hit Wolfgang. Which uh, I guess this could have turned out like Lash Legend versus Roxanne Perez. But the outside interference didn't really work against Trick like it did in that match. Mm-hmm. But Mello might be jealous. He did one of those hugs again. And he I, was he was staring at the Iron Survivor graphic. I think that we've been seeing this. I mean, this has been a huge jealousy thing from the start with the both of them. You know? Well, at least with Mello-wise. Uh, but this match, I wasn't too big in. You know, Trick Williams is awesome. But this matchup didn't really do it for me. Hmm. I don't know. But the next match, Brawling Brutes pick up the victory over OTM. Um, the next match, what? This did it for you? Yeah. I actually <laughs> did like this match, but I was kind of upset that Brawling Brutes won. I don't know why this match happened. Mm-hmm. And I hated that scripts got involved. There were way too many outside interference spots on this episode. I just, I thought I didn't like this at all. Okay. I well, didn't... main event of the evening, you had Baron Corbin pick up the victory over Wesley. Um, Wesley trying to make a name for himself still, but Baron Corbin getting that, the last laugh. That deep six that Corbin did by catching Wesley when Lee dove to the outside, I thought that was dope. Yeah, that was cool. Dominic, though, like I said, so many outside interferences and stuff. Dominic got involved and... Wesley ended up accidentally jumping onto him and just fought with him. And it led to Wesley getting back in the ring and losing to the end of days. Mm-hmm. And then Corbin went to continue the beatdown. Ilya Dragunov ran down to make the save at first. But then he got hit with the end of days and Dragunov told Baron Corbin that he made a mistake and has to live with the consequences. So he gave... Uh, Baron Corbin to match at deadline. So we're going to see Baron Corbin versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT Championship. Do we see Baron Corbin win the title? You know, after this episode of NXT, I mean, he definitely makes a statement for why he should be a champion. It would be nice, but I don't know if I see that. But... But, I'd, be, I'd be supportive of it. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. Road Dog filled in for Cord Graves this week, which was unexpected. Pretty cool. Kind of hope that uh, Michael Hayes fills in at some point. I think that would be cool. But it opened up with damage control. I think they had to open with damage control. And they looked so cool walking out together. I thought that was dope. Uh, they did a tease of the four of them maybe being against Bailey, but it ended up that they were talking about Asuka not being an official member yet. So Bailey asked her to join Asuka accepted. And then Dakota Kai introduced a challenge to lay out, uh, on behalf of, I believe it was EO for war games to Shotzi, to Bianca, to Charlotte and a mystery fourth tag team partner. Shotzi's tank came out. Shotzi attacked them from behind. Bianca Belair and Charlotte ran down. 
The faces had the upper hand at moments, but damage control is damage control way too strong. They ended up getting thrown out of the ring, and it led to all of them going around to try to recruit another teammate. We saw Bianca Belair speak to Mia Yim. Damage control took her out. So, that was a common theme. I thought that was a a great segment, though. Street Profits opened up the, the first match of the evening, picked up the victory over the Brawling Brutes and Pretty Deadly to become number one contenders. Uh, I always like seeing the strength of Ridge Holland be shown off, and he did a bunch of tag team moves by himself, and I think that's pretty cool. Pretty Deadly, I thought, were about to actually pick up the victory when I think it was Elton Prince had that blind tag spot, but... I thought that the Street Profits needed to pick up the victory here. Butch accidentally hit a a bro kick on Ridge Holland. And that was basically the downfall. Ridge ended up leaving Butch after that. Backstage during the match, we saw B-Fab speaking to Bobby Lashley again. So we're going to see what happens with that. But right now, Street Profits are number one contenders. I think it'll be interesting to see how the the Street Profits look strong while also losing to the Judgment Day because I don't think they're going to become tag team champions yet. After that, we saw Dragon Lee pick up the victory over Axiom. He wanted to avenge Rey Mysterio and he wanted a, a match against Santos Escobar, but Nick Aldis said that he brought in Axiom instead. And it was a good spotlight match. The reversal Canadian Destroyer that Axiom did was dope. I think the... The false finish from the Spanish fly was really good. And overall, it was a a very good match. After that, Santos Escobar came out. We found out that Rey Mysterio had knee surgery, so he's going to be out. So that's why the attack actually happened. But Santos Escobar explained why he did what he did. And he said that he wished to have the next generation see him the way he saw Rey Mysterio. And then he said that Dominic was right. He spoke about how Rey Mysterio won the U.S. championship when it was rightfully his. He he wanted to rebuild the LWO, but then Rey Mysterio went and brought new members in. And he said that Rey sided with an outsider like Carlito over him. And he said that he hopes that Rey Mysterio never comes back. And then Zelina Vega came out. They argued she slapped him. Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro came out to comfort her and then Escobar had them come to the ring basically to be like, are you with me? They disagreed. He told them to leave and then he attacked them. And then Carlito finally showed up and Escobar left. That That's a, a kickoff match, I think, for Survivor Series. But if this is done right, then this can be absolutely huge for Santos Escobar and... That was uh, an incredible segment. I thought that was great. We saw Zelina Vega as one of the people that were spoken to by uh, Bianca Belair for the War Games team. Damage control took her out as well. And then Bianca Belair told Charlotte she better go make or take a phone call. But I'll get to that. We saw Grayson Waller pick up the victory over Cameron Grimes. Austin Theory did commentary, but... He ended up checking on Grayson Waller at one point, got kicked in the face by Cameron Grimes, and that was basically the downfall, the distraction that led to 
the end for Grayson, uh, for Cameron Grimes. So, not much of a match. It was just to get Waller and and Austin Theory on TV together. We saw Solo Sokoa come out with Paul Heyman and Jimmy Uso. Paul hyped him up big time. And then he announced John Cena as if he was there. But then he was like, is not here. And he said that it was thanks to Solo Sokoa. And he won't ever be in WWE again thanks to Solo Sokoa. And Paul Heyman, I think, did a fantastic job at hyping Solo up and his victory over John Cena up. And we saw LA Knight finally interrupt. He did some rhyming, laid out his plan to stomp out the bloodline. It led to the main event with LA Knight picking up the victory over Jimmy Uso. We saw uh, Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa left, I think, during a commercial break. Paul took a phone call. L.A. Knight controlled a big chunk of this match. Jimmy had a quick comeback, but there was literally no way that I could have seen L.A. Knight losing this match. So he won. Solo Sokoa came back out afterwards. Jimmy attacked him. And then Solo hit him with the, the Samoan spike. Cody Rhodes made the save. We saw him backstage at one point when we saw Nick Aldis' office when Charlotte, uh, Bianca, and and Shotzi were talking. Knight had a comeback. Cody and LA Knight left on top, basically. Maybe, I know we said earlier, big tease for Randy Orton. Maybe it's LA Knight. I don't know. But in regards to war games, we saw, like I said, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, and Shotzi Blackheart needing a partner for war games. Charlotte looked super worried about whether or not the person that she called would make it. And then they went out to the ring and Flair said that if they're going to war, there's only one person she wants on their team, regardless of friendship or not. And then damage control interrupted and Bailey made fun of them. Uh, specifically of Flair having no friends, basically. And she went to introduce the fact that Damage Control was going to go jump them, and Becky Lynch showed up through the crowd. They all brawled, and I think ultimately it's just a damn shame that Sasha Banks isn't part of this, because four horsewomen would have been cool. But uh, I think it's cool that, that Becky Lynch is on the team. It makes sense as to why Charlotte was worried about it, given their history. So we're going to see that as a War Games match. I'm pumped for that. Hopefully Damage Control wins. But that's SmackDown. I'm going to take a quick break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Hey, everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, and you're listening to Marking Out. And remember, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 667. Going back last week to AEW Rampage, we saw Ricky Starks pick up the victory over Preston Vance. Uh, Preston Vance's last singles victory on television was in January, so I think it would have been nice to, to get him a victory here. But since it was against Ricky Starks, I completely understand why he lost. Big Bill did commentary, which was nice to hear him uh, hear from him again. I liked the match. I wish they didn't spend as much time as they did outside the ring, though. But the champions beat down Preston Vance afterwards, and LFI came out to make the save. And then, 
I would have thought that it would lead to something bigger. I don't think that any matches are set up for this week. I could be wrong between the two teams. But they did a segment where Jay Lethal spoke about Eddie Kingston and then Ortiz showed up and tried to fight them and he got put down pretty quickly. We saw Red Velvet pick up the victory over Ruby Soho. Red Velvet, I think, has improved so much since the last time that we've seen her on television. Like uh, February, not last week's Dynamite or whatever. But I think she is definitely very much so improved. But Ruby Soho got flowers delivered in the middle of the match and acted as if she had no clue who it was from. Commentary had no clue who it was from. Even though her and Angelo Parker had been flirting for like weeks at this point. And then backstage you saw Soraya yell at Angelo Parker. I kind of think this was my favorite segment that Soraya's ever been part of since joining AEW. Just because it was so funny with Matt Menard and and, uh, Soraya together. So I'm looking forward to more of that. Hopefully there is more of that. We saw the Kingdom pick up the victory over Danny Rose and Ricky G. The officiating in this was super goofy. Roddy, though, took his neck brace off and afterwards hit an end of heartache and then quickly got back into the wheelchair, the neck brace, the glasses. So I thought that was a funny comedic spot to add to this segment. The main event saw FTR pick up the victory over Vikingo and Commander. Like I said the other week, FTR, I think, just lost so much steam for me since they since they lost the titles, and this kind of just adds to it. I enjoyed the match, but they were, like, the top team in AEW and then fizzled out. Even the number one contenders, the Young Bucks, they fizzled out. So, it just, I, I, as much as I enjoyed this match, I liked a lot of spots. That, That gory special from Cash was dope. I also liked FTR, showing them respect after the match. It, they've just gone down. And then after the match, the lights go out. House of Black were on the screen clapping. Malachi didn't have his eye gimmicked. So that's, I don't understand how it goes from gimmick to not gimmicked. But uh, it's, this match would have made so much more sense when if they were champions still. Or, or House of Black showing up would have made more sense if they were champions. If FTR were champions. But moving over to AEW Collision, we saw Andrade pick up the victory over Daniel Garcia. Lana had her own entrance to manage Andrade, which I think is kind of goofy. Miro watched from the back. Uh, The match itself started at a slower pace, but it picked up. Garcia worked on Andrade's knee, and it didn't always affect him in the match. He, like, at one point, commentary called it adrenaline. Almas kept, like, slapping his, uh, his knee or whatnot. But he also did like stupid moves to to have with a bad knee, like that double moonsault, but and also a kip up as well. But he ends it with the figure eight. Lana served zero purpose in this match, like none at all. So they're obviously going to continue that, and I assume build up with Andrade and Miro. But we see Nick Wayne pick up the victory over Dalton Castle. I think this was. Nick Wayne's first televised singles victory in AEW, but it seemed like more of a match that would fit the style of 
present day Ring of Honor. It wasn't a bad match. It just, it wasn't, it, it didn't do anything for me. Luchasaurus got involved and the boys tried to stop it, but he took them out and ultimately you knew Nick Wayne was was going over. After that, LFI picked up the victory over the Work Horsemen. I think the match should have been shorter to make LFI look stronger given their position, but I don't think I don't think the point of this match was to have the Work Horsemen be built up. But they were, I think, I would say they were built up in this match. I think they looked really, really good in here. The chop for chop spot that Roosh did with uh, J.D. Drake I thought was fantastic. It looked good. It looked like chops. We've seen some really bad chops in AEW recently. And those were, I think, top tier. The, the drop kick to end the match from Roosh, I, I thought that was nasty. All in all, I enjoyed the match. I just think it should have been a, a bit shorter to put LFI over. After that, we saw Roderick Strong pick up the victory over Darius Martin. Roddy was the one being cheered here. And I also think that this could have been a quick match. I think the main focus is Roddy being injured, but still going out there, risking his neck, even though we all know that he's fine. So I think it would have benefited from him doing a quick like one minute match. Getting out there, then boom, getting back into his wheelchair, his neck braced glasses like he did on Rampage. We saw the Kingdom beat down Darius Martin afterwards. Action Andretti eventually ran out and they ran off, but the damage was already done. After that, Tony Khan and Brian Danielson had a special announcement where he announced that Brian will be at All In next year. Uh, and then he announced that they're going to be doing the Continental Classic, which is the AEW G1, basically. 12 stars, two groups. Brian Danielson is somehow in, in it, even though all those reports were like, Brian Danielson's out until at least 2024. With a broken orbital bone? I Is he wrestling with the broken orbital bone? I don't know. Did, uh, did Undertaker have a shoot broken orbital bone? Is Brian going to be wearing a mask? Perhaps. Maybe he's going to be wearing a mask. But it all culminates at World's End. And uh, I I think hopefully it, it ends with Brian and Malachi Black. Maybe. After that, Julia Hart picked up the victory over Willow Nightingale. She cut a promo earlier on about Willow and Sky Blue uh, rejecting her gift. And then she brought up Chris Statlander and how she's been interjecting herself into this. So she obviously wants a title shot at full gear. And she said that if she beats Willow, then she wants to be added to the match. And I I assume Chris Statlander accepted it. I don't think they actually had her accept it. But Willow and Julia, I think, killed it. The the gory special from Willow, I thought, was awesome. Especially with how uh, Julia was, was, I guess, contorted in that move. I do think that the moonsault finish was too weak to have ended it after Willow literally, like, was a beast in that match. I think the moonsault was a little too weak to end that, but very well done. I enjoyed that match. 
After that, Powerhouse Hobbs picked up the victory over Titus Alexander. Big Show did commentary for this. Uh, The match was probably under a minute. I don't think it does anything to build up Hobbs as a, a possible person to beat Big Show. I think should have been somebody equal or or greater size than Powerhouse. So, like, I mean, Kevin Matthews, is he not signed to AEW? I think that would have been fine. But I did think that Don Callis was trying to get Big Show to change sides afterwards. I'm not 100% sure. I couldn't really follow that. But he had Hobbs get in his face and Big Show stood up and he... Will Hobbs had to be held back. That's fine. After that, Edge, Darby Allen, and Sting picked up the victory over the Righteous and Lance Archer. I missed one week of collision, and I had no clue why the Righteous were paired up with Lance Archer. But I'm here for that, and maybe after this, they'll be pushed as like an actual group, and it'll work for all of them with Jake Roberts, I hope. But... This was a pretty standard Darby Allen match, and it's obvious that Sting and Edge were not going to be losing. Edge, though, he worked like a machine in this. The referee, unfortunately, it's one of those AEW situations, zero control. I thought the, the Scorpion death drop and elbow drop from Sting and Edge was a cool combo move. The match, though, ended with a Stinger splash and then a spear from Edge, so I... Enjoyed aspects of that main event, but it was pretty much a Darby Allen match. Christian showed up afterwards with the gang to stare them down and hold up the title, even though the title's not a factor at full gear. I thought that was so goofy. Uh, And then we move on to AEW Dynamite this week, where the Blackpool Combat Club pick up the victory over Hook and Orange Cassidy. Hook and Orange Cassidy attacked the Blackpool Combat Club during their entrance, which I'm bored of. I'm bored of matches starting like that. I I don't want that anymore. And then the match actually started with John Moxley and Orange Cassidy still brawling in the crowd. And the referee not caring about it at all. That makes no sense. And then Orange Cassidy is just staying outside of the ring while Hook gets beat up by the Blackpool Combat Club. The referee should be out there checking on the person in the match. It makes no sense. And somehow, Wheeler Yuta at the end of the match was legal. I don't understand how, at what point was Wheeler Yuta legal to to roll hook up and win? It made no sense at all. After that, Swerve and Hangman had a face-to-face. They couldn't fight each other here or else their match would be canceled and then they'd be suspended throughout the rest of the year. Hangman told Swerve why he's been stupid And then he attacked Prince Nana and he laid out security. So that's goofy because why is Hangman not being suspended for taking out security? How does that make any sense? Oh, you can't put your hands on your opponent who you're signed to fight, but you could take out anybody else who works for AEW. Okay. After that, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom were interviewed. Roddy said that he knows who the devil is. He called Adam Cole and told him that MJF is a devil. Adam Cole yelled at him to stop and said, oh, maybe you're the devil. At this point, I think all signs point to Adam Cole, but I'm not going to be interested in that. 
We saw Sky Blue pick up the victory over Red Velvet. This was unfortunate. I had very high expectations. I just spoke about how much Red Velvet improved for Rampage. She very much so impressed me on Dynamite the other week. And then you come to this match and it was it was very sloppy at points. And it's not like they weren't trying, especially with like the high risk stuff, because they went in and did everything, but it just wasn't there for me. So I don't know like what went wrong here, but something went wrong. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't what it should have been. We saw Mariah May interviewed by RJ City. He promised that she would meet Tony Storm. They had a video and audio filter on this for when she entered the dressing room. And it sets up a match for collision for Tony Storm before the pay-per-view. It just introduces Mariah May to Tony Storm. Um, I'm not sure how much I enjoyed the switching back and forth between the audio filter and the video filter and then like normal 2023 camera. But I understand it, and I also appreciate it. We saw Samoa Joe pick up the victory over John Cruz. Quick match against Serpentico's unmasked alter ego. And then he yelled at MJF in regards to being his partner at the pay-per-view. I don't know why. I don't know. It's just so weird that the main focus of the pay-per-view is the dark match, pre-show match or whatever. I don't, I don't understand. It's it's been for even all in the main focus was that. I don't get it. Young Bucks picked up the victory over Penta and Commander. I liked the reversal of the move from Commander into the Springboard X Factor, but I could have done without this match. There was zero percent chance that the Bucks were losing. They ended up getting booed at the end because one of them low blowed Commander. One of them hit the Judas effect to send a message to Chris Jericho. And then they were asked later on about their cheating in this and in their hometown in front of their parents, but they don't care. Kenny questioned it. They just don't like Chris Jericho. And then Matt slapped Chris Jericho from behind. I don't know if this is going to tear apart Kenny and the Young Bucks further. What's going to happen at full gear, but... They've made it very, very clear that it's not, their beef's not with Kenny, it's with Chris Jericho. They don't trust him. And rightfully so. Why should anybody trust Chris Jericho? We've seen it in the past multiple times. We saw the Guns pick up the victory over Peter Avalon and Jacoby. I don't know who Jacoby is. I feel like I've said his name before here. I don't remember him though. I didn't even recognize that it was Peter Avalon in the match. There was, it was like a, what, a 30 second match or something just to show that they could beat two people. And show that MJF has one person. We've seen MJF beat the righteous. Brother, you guys are not even close to looking like Big Bill. So, or not Big Bill, Bill Carr. So, or Dutch, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> I don't see how that equates over and uh, shows that, oh, we're the guns, we can beat MJF. I don't think that equates. We saw Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Big Show, and Kota Ibushi. Pick up the victory over the Don Callis family and on loan from the Mogul Embassy, Brian Cage. In a dragon sle- street fight or something. Something 
It was a Sega match. I did not even know Sega still existed until this match was announced. I thought Sega had been bought out by Nintendo. The match was beyond cringe. Ibushi comes off as a shell of a shell of himself. He did not look good in that blood and guts match. He did not look good in this match. It's very weird to see. I think the match was not as bad as the Texas Chainsaw match, though. And I guess really the biggest spot from this was Hobbs slamming Big Show on a on a car. So it doesn't seem like the Don Cows family is going to be winning. And then Dynamite ended with MJF addressing how people he lets in get hurt by him. He apologized to the acclaim for what happened last week. He went to continue to speak and Jay White came out. Told him to drop the act. He knows that MJF is a bad guy. He knows MJF is not a hero. And he said that MJF knows that Jay White's better than him. And he had the Bullet Club gold attack MJF from behind and the champion was left there like a huge chump. Samoa Joe, I think they showed him watching it from backstage. The AEW champion does not look great right now on television. So, moving over to that pay-per-view taking place in Inglewood, California at the Kia Forum. It's full gear. Saturday. Pre-show match, MJF and probably Samoa Joe taking on the guns to defend the ROH World Tag Team Championships. I'm going to go ahead and say MJF and whoever the mystery partner is will retain. Hikaru Shida is facing Timeless Tony Storm for the AEW World Championship, Women's Championship. I'm going to stay with Hikaru Shida. Hopefully she retains the title. Uh, I would have thought that she'd be on TV on Dynamite this week, but maybe she'll be on Rampage or or uh, Collision. Sting, Darby Allen, and Edge will be, and with Ric Flair, oh, that makes no sense. Taking on Christian, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne, I gotta give it a Sting, I gotta give it to Darby Allen, gotta give it to Edge. I don't see any way where, where Christian and his gang win. Orange Cassidy defending the AEW International Championship against John Moxley. They've been building this for a few weeks now. I would like to see Orange Cassidy retain because that championship has has been thrown around too much recently. Texas Deathmatch. Hopefully this ends their feud. It should have ended the other time. Hangman versus Swerve. Gotta go with Swerve. Tag team number one contendership on the line. Young Bucks giving up their spot perhaps. Golden Jets, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho facing the Young Bucks. Um, and also if the Young Bucks win then the Golden Jets have to disband I'm going to say the Golden Jets and then Young Bucks just completely spiral oh we lost our six man tag championships and instead of going after the tag team titles on the pay-per-view we stupidly stupidly have it a, a number one contender spot match and then the Golden Jets maybe they win the tag team titles and then the Young Bucks just keep spiraling Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. And then we have a, an AEW TBS championship match. Statlander defending it against Julia Hart and Sky Blue. 
I don't think it would be awful if either Julia Hart or Chris Statlander or uh, Sky Blue, I mean, won the title. Uh, I would like to see Chris Statlander continue the reign. She's had a lengthy reign so far. I would like more from it, but I would like to really see Julia Hart take that title. So I'm going to say hopefully Julia Hart wins the the championship. Fatal four-way match for the AEW Tag Team Championships. God forbid the number one contenders would be in this, but Ricky Starks and Big Bill defending the titles against La Foxione and Gobernable. Uh FTR lost so much steam. And Kings of the Black Throne. I would really like to see House of Black take all the gold. So it'd be nice to see them win the tag team championships. It'd be nice to see Julia Hart take the the women's championship. Uh, the TBS championship, I mean. So I'm going to say House of Black. Not 100% certain that's going to happen, though. Main event, I assume, AEW World Championship on the line. MJF is not even having the championship. Defending it against Jay White, who currently has the championship. Got to assume it's MJF. Hopefully the devil gets revealed. Hopefully we're done with the devil gimmick soon. That's full gear. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout outs? Hey, wow. This is Owen Wilson. You're listening to Brandon's shout out. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse gets the first shout out. Have you seen this yet or no? I was going to watch it, but I didn't see the first one. Oh, so I didn't know if I should watch this. Yeah, obviously, 100%. It's a sequel. Yeah. But I watched it on my flight home because I had a good plane. And I thought it was just as good as the first one. I do wish that it was more, or I should say much more connected to the MCU. I understand that. I understand why it's not, but I'll take the tiny little details that they sprinkle in. Over nothing. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend it. I know it's out on Netflix. I'm not sure if the, the other one's on Netflix or not. I don't think so. But I would definitely find it. Try to watch it. I enjoyed both movies. Uh, the next shout out goes to Upload. The full third season is out on Amazon Prime. And just like the other two seasons, it ends with a cliffhanger. And no next season is confirmed yet. Which I don't understand how shows do that, but I think it's such a good show with, uh, I mean, just the right amount of cheesiness to it, I guess. But Greg Daniels is one of the, he, he's not one of, he he was the creator of Upload. He brought the, the office to the United States. He co-created King of the Hill, Parks and Rec, so many other projects. Robbie Amell and Andy Allo star in... In this show, the basic premise is that when you die, you could be uploaded. Your consciousness can be uploaded and you could like live in a virtual afterlife and still be yourself and communicate with people who are living. That sounds wild. Yeah. And I I enjoyed it. It was one of those shows that came out during COVID and I just watched it. And then a few years went by and then they had that. the, The second season, I believe, came out last year and now. The third season and hopefully a fourth season's coming next year. So check it out. Amazon Prime upload. 
And then my last shout out is going to Liberty Tree Tavern because I was supposed to go there, but we changed the reservation. Uh, well, originally we were we were aiming for Chef Mickey's. Mm-hmm. They did not have any reservations, so we got Liberty Tree Tavern, which is literally I think my favorite restaurant in Magic Kingdom, one of my favorite restaurants on Disney property, and uh, we ended up. Last minute getting a reservation for Chef Mickey, so we changed it, and I didn't get to go to Liberty Tree, Liberty Tree Tavern on this this trip. Mm-hmm. But it's Thanksgiving next week, and that's basically the food that they have. So I figured give it a shout out. It's turkey stuffing, cranberry sauce, pot roasts, uh, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, green beans, and the toffee cake is absolutely delicious. Although if you ever find yourself in Disney World, uh, you can't unfortunately have it because it's got Heath bar in it, mm. but I would, it's, uh, I, I, it's one of my favorite restaurants there. I so. can't see myself ever ordering something Turkey related. What do you mean? It's well, it's all you can eat by the way. I should mention that. Yeah. I'm not a big Turkey fan. I am. A, I do like Turkey soup. What? What uh, does that mean? Like, um, cream of Turkey. But how could you not be a Turkey fan? And then you're like, Oh, I like, I like Turkey soup. Mm. Turkey's too dry for me. I, I mean, it depends on how you make it. Eh. You're eating bad turkey, brother. Hey, cook it for me, brother. <laughs> I don't like cooking poultry. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but if you have properly cooked turkey, it should not be dry. Mm-hmm. So those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for our... Ow. is right our mark out moment of the week uh i should start off by saying that uh, this past weekend the dallas cowboys featured one kevin von eric on the big screen i thought that was pretty cool i think he moved back to texas after almost like 20 years of not living there so I thought it was cool to see him featured all over the internet with that. Obviously, the Iron Claw movie comes out next month, which is also cool to see interviews with like Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White and and hear how much respect that they have for wrestling because of these roles that they've played. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. But I, I just I pop big time seeing Kevin Von Erich on that screen. That's pretty cool. You know, I think that... Every- the hype that Iron Claw is getting right now is pretty cool, but unfortunately, we know how like there's no happy ending. Yeah, if you don't, ending. if you're not familiar with it, if like you're a non wrestling fan going to see it, you're. <laughs> I mean, bring your tissue boxes. Bring wrestling don't wear your fans, heart on no, your sleeve yeah. because there's no good turns to their story. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no. You know, uh, something else I marked out over was The Rock on the Tonight Show. And he spoke about his most recent appearance on SmackDown, which I thought was pretty cool. Did you catch any of The Rock on The Tonight Show or no? No, I did not. Him and Jimmy Fallon went to FAO Shores and uh, gave away toys and stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. That's pretty awesome. Did you uh, have any markout moments? A markout moment of the week. Um, I can't say that I did. A big Scott Steiner appearance. Where? <laughs> Here, apparently. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I have more markout moments. Uh, MTV Cribs randomly recorded on my DVR. 
<laughs> in the like middle, a... in the middle of a season. I went to go see when the season actually began. It was October 2022, but this was in fact a brand new episode of this season. They're still doing those. Yeah, they brought it back recently ish. So maybe somewhat during uh, COVID. I'm not 100 percent sure when they brought it back, but. This was part of the newer season, and it was an episode featuring Nikki Bella, or Nikki Garcia, I should say. So it has to be, like, super recent, because that whole Bella Twins thing happened somewhat recently. So I thought it was cool to see her house. I wasn't uh, super impressed. It was basically just a ton of clothes. But Brie actually made an appearance when they went to their winery, so I thought that was cool also. She has a uh, a black interior, uh, an interior, the interior of her refrigerator is black, and I've never seen that before. That's different. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Something else that uh, made history this week was Becky Lynch on Jeopardy, Celebrity Jeopardy. She was a contestant and uh, became the first contestant in the history of the show to answer zero of the 60 questions correctly. Wow. I think she tried to answer five of those questions, but uh, obviously did not get them correct. She did get the final Jeopardy question correct, but it left her, I think, with like $1,000, which was not going to win the game. Rachel Dratch and Macaulay Culkin were also uh, other contestants, and I believe Dratch literally won by a dollar, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I think she beat Mac with one dollar. That's crazy. Or buy $1, not with $1. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. And uh, obviously Macaulay Culkin, he's been associated with pro wrestling. And then also on Late Night with Seth Meyers during the opening like news segment that he does, he mentioned something about, they were talking about like the, the song Macho Man, and I think they were talking about Trump, but he equated it to Randy Savage, and he was like, well, it could have obviously... Obviously, Randy Savage could use it or something, something mentioning him. And then they did like a callback to it and brought up Mean Gene. So I thought that was cool to hear wrestling brought up there. Mm-hmm. But those are really the markout moments of the week. And that is episode 667. Of course, by the time you listen to next week's episode, it will have already had been Thanksgiving. So we hope that everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. Or we hope everybody has a nice Thanksgiving, we should say, because this is before Thanksgiving right now. Yeah, gobble, gobble. Uh, and then, of course, you could follow us on Twitter at Mark and Out, at BTTG161 on Twitter and Instagram, Chris Sweendog, CM Sweeney85, David PTDPT, Facebook.com slash Mark and Out, YouTube and Instagram, Mark and Out11. You could check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. Get 20% off for those those Black Friday deals. No code necessary. Uh, did I say TikTok? I might have not said TikTok at out. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for now, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. MarkingOut.com. And we wish you the... the- Sure, yeah.